Well, we're going to continue on in God's Word. Esther last week, remember? Boy, Esther was quite a woman. I learned quite a bit from Esther. I learned those areas that with Esther, she learned to win people to her cause. And that's one of the things we have to do. Learn to win people to our cause. Esther also learned how to listen and learn from others. Listen and learn from others. Even though they were not Jews, she learned how to listen to them and to learn from others. She also learned that when she needed help, say help. Say help. There's a lot of people sometimes, they don't like to ask for help. Either it's because it's pride, they don't want to be seen as weak, but the thing is, they need help. And the thing is, ask for help. Nothing wrong with that. Okay? And she also learned that she could face her enemies. And sometimes that's what we have to do in life. We have to be willing to face our enemies. Those things that we are fearful of. Those things that will hinder us from really walking close to the Lord. Uh, those things that rob us from the blessing of the Lord. Uh, we have to learn sometime how to face those things and really deal with them. And, and, and she learned how to do those things. Today, we're going to look at another woman. So far, I picked three women. I'm going to pick three men. Today, we're going to look at Rahab. Next week, we're going to look at Dorcas. And I'm going to take a little break, and Melvin's going to fill in for me. Just give me a rest. And then I'm going to come back, and we're going to look at three men. Three men. But God builds his people. And, and that's what you have to begin to recognize. God builds you. If you say you are a Christian, and this is what makes a lot of Christians weak, they don't allow God to do his work in their lives that he desired to do. All they want to do is be saved. So they're saved, but they're not being built up in the faith. And the scripture says, be built up in the faith. Built up in what you believe. Built up. And oftentimes, with a lot of us as Christians, we're Christian by name, we're Christians because we're saved, but we're not being built up. Any place you go, they want to build you up. If you go to school, they don't want you to just be in there and get D's and C's. They really want to see you expire with A's. Any company that really desires you and wants you and you're important. They don't want you to stay on this level. They want to build you up that you go to the next level, the next level, the next level. Because they want to see you achieve. Because if you achieve, they achieve. And that same philosophy is in God's kingdom. He wants to build his people up that they walk on a higher plane. And if you walk on a higher plane, you walk on a higher level, you have higher standards, you're going to influence other people. And that's what God's looking for. And that's why he builds up his people. And you need to understand that. It's not about your past, it's about where you're going. It's never about what you've been doing, it's about what you're going to do. Rahab is known oftentimes in Scripture as Rahab the prostitute. And she's identified that way. The prostitute. The prostitute. Now, I've come to find out, this is Jesus Christ's great-great-grandma. 
When you look at Matthew 1, chapter 5, she's right there. A prostitute? Our Savior's grandma? Yeah, she's in the family. And guess what? She's not a Jew. She's a Gentile. When you get into Esther again, in chapter 8, it said many of those who were not Jews, but Persians, they became Jews because of Esther. That many became Jews. And here with this lady, she steps into the Jewish faith. And she lives with the Jews and she marries what is considered a prince of Judah. When you choose to believe God, you are strengthened to do extraordinary things. We have to believe that and understand that. When you choose to trust God and believe God and give God the reins of your life, God's going to strengthen you to do extraordinary things beyond your own ability because most of us operate in our own ability, in our own strength. God wants you to operate in his power, his strength. He didn't give you the Holy Spirit just for the Holy Spirit to lie dormant in your life. He gave you the Holy Spirit that you might be empowered by him to live a super Christian life. You are no longer the normal person. When you are strengthened by God, you're no longer the normal person. You need to understand that. You stand out from the norm of people. You're different. Secondly, you need to understand simply this here. When you're strengthened by God, you're going to see things differently. You don't see them through the human eye and the human mind. You begin to process that mind of Christ that Philippians says we have, and you begin to see things in the order in which God sees them. And you begin to function that way. And thirdly, boy, because you are strengthened by God, people say, you're strange. You're strange. Because you're not acting and functioning and depending on the things that they depend on or functioning like they function. You're different. And they take note of that. People take note of that, that you're different. And when you're strengthened by God and you're saying you're a Christian, you ought to be strengthened by him to live this extraordinary style of life that puts you on a higher plane. What happens with many Christians, we think of ourselves just like normal people think of themselves. We need to think of ourselves as saved, delivered, rescued, and we live on a higher plane. We have higher standards, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, and we're able to perform at a peak that normal people cannot perform at. It will allow the Holy Spirit to be in charge. We need to understand that. All this is true about Rahab. She functioned different than the people of Jericho because she saw God differently. 
And when you see God differently, it will cause you to function differently. It causes you to act differently. It causes you to think differently. It causes you to do something that's strange to a lot of people because a lot of people always want to play it safe. For the Christian, it's not about safe. It's about stepping out in faith and believing God's going to supply all that you have need of as you step out. It's not about playing safe. It's about putting your faith into action and living it and doing it. And this is what Rahab does. She steps out in faith. Her name means insolence. Boldly disrespectful. I imagine if you were a prostitute around town, you will be boldly disrespectful about how other people may feel about you or think about you. you know. And her name meant that. Boldly disrespectful. Didn't care about my behavior. Don't care about what people think. But there was a boldness there about her. Her name also means pride. Pride. Or proud one. And oftentimes you'll find it because when you find her name in Psalms 87, 4, 89, 10 and Isaiah 51, 9, you'll, you'll understand that's not talking about Rahab the prostitute. That's using her name, but it was used in a mystical way of talking about Egypt. So it's not talking about Rahab and Joshua. Rahab marries Semon from Judah. He's the father of Boaz. Now, as I got to thinking about this a little bit, if you remember, Boaz marries who? Ruth. Ruth was a what? A Moabite. He follows in the steps of his father. His father marries a lady who is not Jewish but a prostitute from Jericho. Boaz, when you read the story of Ruth, he's not married, haven't been married, and he's like his father. He marries outside of the Jewish faith. Then from Boaz come Obed, who is the father of Jesse, who is the father of David, and then you can just follow right on down the line. And you can see where she fits in then, in that lineage of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Rahab is mentioned in Matthew 1, 5, Hebrews 11, 31, and then in James. And, 11, and 1 is the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 11 is, boy, we call that that hall of fame for faith. And she exercises her faith. She reveals her faith. She allows her faith to be seen. And oftentimes with Christians, we believe, but guess what we're not doing? We're not exercising our faith. Well, I'm moving on. I didn't even put it up here, did I? I better get it up there for you guys. She's exercising her faith. And what she's doing there is that she is allowing the Jewish people to see her step of faith. Why at the same time, it's kind of hid from the Gentiles, her own people. 
But go with me to James 2. James 2. And, and look, at, look how James speaks about her. James chapter 2. Verse. Well, let's start at verse 22. You see that his faith and his actions, speaking of Abraham, were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scriptures was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credit to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does, and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous, for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. She exercised her faith. Now, the Holy Spirit deals with us as real people. When you talk about getting in the Bible, the Bible really shows real people. Now, think with me for a moment. The Bible, the Holy Spirit did not try to hide her prostitution. Her immoral life. Holy Spirit didn't try to hide that. Just told us right up front. She's a prostitute. But in the midst of this story. Now now don't take this. That you have a right to go out and lie. But she tells a big old whopper. She tells a lie. And the reason she tells that lie. Because she's caught. Between a rock and a hard spot. If I might say Either the Jews will kill her, or her own people will kill her for what she's done. And she's stuck there. But the reason that she also tells the lie is this. She believes God. Now that's one of those ironies that we can't sometimes work out in Scripture. You believe God who you trust, but then you tell her a lie. Remember when Samuel was going to anoint David and uh, he told God, God, if I go and anoint David, Saul going to kill me. And that was causing him to be a little bit hesitant about obeying God. And God said to Samuel, you tell them you're going to go make a sacrifice. And that's what he did. (laughs) That's what he did. Those those ironies in Scripture sometimes. But what God is dealing with is real humanity. He's dealing with real people with fears. He's dealing with real people that have to overcome situations. He's really dealing with us. And he knows each one of us. And he knows Rahab. But she exercises her faith. Rahab recognizes the God of Israel was no ordinary God. How many of you understand that? You serve a God who is not an ordinary God, who is not an ordinary Buddha, who is not some other God with some other name. But you really serve the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the one and only true God. How many of you really understand that and believe it? There's no question in your heart about it. And she came to that recognition that... Boy, their God really is God. 
And because she came to recognize that and then acknowledged it, it changed her life. It changed her thinking from the rest of the people of Jericho. So she was not of the norm any longer. And she recognized he's powerful. He has the ability to defeat armies across the Jordan River. They got gods. What happened to their gods? Did their gods fall asleep while they was in battle? What did their gods do to protect them? As one read to us this morning, our God protects us in the fire. Even when it gets heated up, he's able to keep us. She sees God in a different light than her people do. And therefore her people are destroyed, but she is saved. And therefore, her resp- need to understand, therefore her response to God is different than people. Go to Isaiah 44. Just to see God in a little different light. Isaiah 44, 24. 44, 24. Let me get there. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord. I am the Lord who have made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spared, who spread out the earth by myself. Who else? I didn't need any help. I made the heavens and I spread it out the earth. I didn't need any help. So when he asked Job, where were you when I did this? Where were you when this took place? Where were you? Job couldn't answer. And here God says, I am. Over to Isaiah 46, 6 through 11. He says, Some hire a goldsmith to make it into a god. Those idols. They're made. Not that they pre-exist. They're made. Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on the scales. They are hire a goldsmith to make into a god. And they bow down and worship it. Now how foolish would that be? You got people who put Buddhas in their house and guess what they do with them? You got folks that open up these little things and you got this going on. You got beads being done. You got this being done. All you got to do is open your mouth and talk to God. He goes on, he says, they lift it to their shoulders and carry it. See, I don't have to carry my God anywhere. (laughs) My God is omnipresent. He's there before I even get there. But he goes with me because he's right in here. (laughs) They lift it to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in this place and there it stands. Can't can't move, can't go nowhere. It's right there. Now that is a safe God. You stay right there, God. Don't you go nowhere while I go do this. He'll be right there. That's an idol. He goes on, he says, From that spot it cannot move. The one cries out to it. It does not answer. It cannot save him from his troubles. Remember, 
this. Fix it in mind. Take it to heart, you rebels. Remember to the former things, those alone, long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, what's still to come. I say my purpose, I stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that will I bring about. What I have planned, that will I do. And Rahab have seen what had took place over the Jordan River. How God had destroyed two of the kings. And she's heard it. She's heard it. And she chooses to believe this God who demonstrates his power and his might. She makes a conscious choice. That's a real God. That's not a God you make up and put on a stand somewhere. That's not a God that's an imaginary God who can't fight for you. And she says, that God of Israel is the real thing. That God of Israel is the real thing. And Rahab, she acknowledges that. When you get in Joshua, let's go to it. We'll be staying in Joshua quite a bit here from this point on. Joshua chapter 2, we're going to pick up in 4 and 5. Joshua has sent the spies into Jericho. And Rahab now deals with the fear of death. Because she knows what has happened on the other side of the river. But she's decided, I want to live. And if you're going to make that decision, sometime you've got to ask yourself, whose side will you be on? And in verse 4 it says, But the woman had taken the two men and hid them. She said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I didn't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hid them under the stalks of flex. She had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out of the gate, out, the gate was shut. Now the spies are there in Jericho. And they wind up in this prostitute's home. And the king finds out, the king of Jericho. And he sends his men and say, send us out those spies. And she tells this big old whopper, they already left. I didn't know who they were. Now, you could always spot a Jew. Because of their weeding and their clothing was different than anybody else's. And she also says, I sent them on down the road. Now, what I want you to also take note is this. One lie leads to what? Another lie and then to another lie. And she's doing that to protect herself. Because most likely if those men were to fall into the enemy's hands and they told them 
that she hit them up on their roof, what would happen to her? At the same time, knowing what took place on the other side of the river, if Israel takes Jericho and I don't help these men, what will happen? See the predicament she's in? So her whole thing is, boy, preserve herself. But not just herself. She took steps to preserve her whole family. She took steps to preserve her whole family. To keep her whole family safe. And we're going to see that. She recognized that this God of Israel is not no ordinary God. That he's able to defeat these other armies. And Rahab deals with this fear of death, of being killed. And her own countrymen, or by Israel. And the problem now is keeping what she done secret. That causes undue pressure on a person when you have to what? Keep a secret. That's undue pressure. And most of us don't understand what the scripture says. Confession is good for the soul. Why? It frees you. But when you keep a lot of secrets and a lot of webs in your closet, those things bother you. Those things bother you. They bother you because you're not free to speak because it may slip out. The other day I was down at the Y and this lady just came over as I was doing my studying and, and, and she said, I just noticed that when you're here, you got your Bible open, you're writing and you're doing this and doing that. And, and uh, she said, can I ask you a few questions? And she sat down, she asked me a few questions about the young people today. And then finally she asked me about her granddaughter. What advice could she give her granddaughter being with an abusive individual? And only thing you have to do is be present sometime. And people will come. Because the pain is there. The hurt is there. People will find you. And she kept this secret. And the thing is sometimes, boy, we don't want to keep a lot of secrets. Because we'll be oh so careful about how we're speaking, what we're saying. Yes, some things have to stay confidential. But the less there are, the better you will feel about yourself. She does what is necessary for her family to save her family. Isn't that what most of us will do? We'll do what is necessary to protect our children or to save our children or to save our homes. And the other thing is this here, which is a big one now. Because it's one of the requirements of the guarantee that she receives from the men if she's going to be saved. Who do I trust in the family? I listened to Melvin in Sunday school and the issue was, uh, uh, do you get along with everybody in your family, all the relatives? You know which ones to trust. You know which ones, don't let them out your eyesight if they're in your house. And she's having to figure that out because, see, 
she's going to have to bring her family into her house. Now, some of them may not like that she's a prostitute. Some of them may not like the way she makes her living or provides for herself. Some of them may think she's brought shame to, to their name. There could be all different type of feelings here. But what she's working out, she has to keep it a secret. But yet she still has to function and get her family into her house. She went up to negotiate with these men. Let me share something with you. You can negotiate from a bad position. Oftentimes, we think we can't negotiate. I don't have a dime. Now, let me tell you the truth back when Lance We don't have a whole lot. So by me negotiating, don't mean I'm going to lose anything. I have nothing from my position, nothing but to gain. See? So I'm always negotiating. You can ask James, I will beg in the middle. Y'all might put it on my gravesite. The best beggar in Akron. See? Because the whole issue is that I'm always ready to negotiate. You'll start me here. I'm going to try to negotiate. And we'll talk about it. What can be eliminated, what this can happen, what this can do. And the whole process, the insurance guy, and I'm glad I called the state insurance inspector, and I called him and I asked this question. Can I buy insurance without buying the replacement costs? And the guy said, replacement costs is the policy of the insurance company. It is not the policy of the state. And you can buy as much insurance as you want. Or as less as you want. But when the guy came in to talk to me, he started right off the bat, well, we got to do replacement costs. Because if your building totally burned down, you want to replace it. we got to do replacement costs. I said, I don't want to do replacement costs. I can't afford replacement costs. And if this building was to burn, the foundation would not have to be replaced. It's what's above the foundation. And anybody in building knows usually the foundation costs at least almost half of whatever the building is going to be. I don't have to replace the foundation. I don't have to replace the sewer lines going out, the gas line going out. All that will still be intact. So I don't need total replacement costs. This is what I need. I don't know if I can do that. Will you go talk to somebody and see if they can do it? Negotiate. Even when you're in a bad situation and you don't have nothing, negotiate. And she went up on that roof and she started to negotiate with these men from a bad position because these men could have said, I got you over a barrel because if I tell your folks what you've done, now she could look back at them and also say, Well, if I tell them that you're here, but which one would be treated most likely the worst, the enemy or a betrayer? Always understand, you have the right to negotiate. You have a right to discuss the issue. And don't be scared to discuss it. She didn't go up there saying, what will you do for me? She went up with some demands. She knew what she wanted. When you go to the table, have your demands ready. Know what you want to say and get it out there. 
her insight is very unique. Be insightful. Rahab was willing to negotiate and she was insightful. So it says in verse 9 there, go, go ahead and jump down to verse 9 with me. And I'm going to run ahead just a little bit because of time. See, he says, let me find it now, come on eyes. And said to them, I know that the Lord said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. And I said to them, I know it. What is she speaking? She's speaking the truth. From what she has heard about her God. Understand, the land had not been taken yet. The battle hasn't been fought yet. But she puts it in the past tense in a sense. I know the Lord has already given you what? The land. That's insightfulness. It's insight in the power of God and what God is able to do. Be insightful about your God. Knowing what your God is able to perform. Knowing what your God is able to do. Knowing that your God is not weak, but He's a mighty God. Know your God. And it will give you insight. And he says, boy. And said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. And that a great fear of you have fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. She was observant. She saw what was taking place among her own people. She understood the fear that was taking place because they heard the same thing she heard, but they did not respond in the same way she responded. They heard the same thing. They're fearful But they're going to still rely on their idols. They're going to still rely on something else other than the one and true God. They're going to look to something else, to the king, to their army, to something else other than God. And most times that's what we do. We look to something else other than the real God and being insightful into the character of our God and what our God is able to do and understand that I'm going to be on the winning side and the winning side is with the Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs 1.7 simply says, the beginning of fear is the knowledge of God. And she puts that into practice. She puts that into practice. There was a fear there, but that fear really gave her knowledge of the one and true God. It's not what she had seen of God. Because she never saw the Red Sea separated. She never saw God destroy Shion or Og. She hadn't seen that. But she heard it. She heard it. Scripture says, who will believe my report? She believed it. Who will believe the Lord's message? She believed it. In Romans 10, 17 says, faith cometh by what? Hearing, not what we see, but by hearing. And she has heard about this God of Israel. And she responds. 
We have people today that will hear and maybe they've heard too much about Jesus. They don't know what to believe and understand this church can cause you to be confused. The confusion is, is that sometimes we're not all teaching what comes from that book. We're giving what will tickle the ear, we'll allow you to have a good time, but we're not teaching the truth that really comes from that book. But if you really teach what comes from that book, and you're hearing it, that person will become responsible and most likely also respond to truth. Because the Lord says, my word will go out and it will not return to me void. It's going to either bring the person to condemnation or it's going to bring the person to salvation. It's going to do one or the other. Is going to condemn or is going to set free. And God simply says here, she heard. And she's responding in a proper manner. She sees this God, even though she don't know this God. She sees what the God of Israel is able to do. And she has to ask the question, what did the other gods do? He's not like those ordinary gods of the land. This is some special God. This God is different. See, if I was at Mars Hill and you didn't dose all the wood with water and God sends down fire that took up the wet wood and the water and everything else and then you think you're going to send me as a soldier to chase after Elijah? No, you wouldn't. I've seen enough. And some of us are saying to God, show me, show me, show me. Open your eyes and you'll see them every day. You'll see them every day. And if you open your ears, you'll hear him. Therefore, he says, there are those folks who see, but they see not. There's those folks who hear, but they hear not. At least they would have understanding and be saved. She wasn't around when they dried up the Red Sea. She wasn't there when Sean Og was defeated. But catch verse 11, and look what she says. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. What did she confess? That this is the one true God. He is the God of heaven. He is the God of earth. And he does whatever he so desired to do. And there's not an army on earth that can stop him. There's not a king that can stand against him. There's no power that can overpower him. He is God Almighty in heaven and on earth. She learned something that you and I yet are learning. That God really is the one and only God who does whatever his desires are. He does them. He's an awesome God. And oftentimes we miss that. And she says, your God is God. What a confession to make. Your God is God. He's the real deal. He's the real thing. Not only does he act, he destroys and he keeps and he saves. He really is God. And he goes on, he says, she will trust the Lord, but not men. Catch verse 12. People, when you're negotiating with folks, always trust God, not the person you're negotiating with. 
He says, now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness. Here comes this agreement that she's after about her family. She said, now, I don't want your word. <laughs> but I believe that you believe in the God of Israel. You promise in his name. For if you break your promise, he'll deal with you. <laughs> she didn't want to take the man, the two men's word. She wanted to hear from their God. And she simply says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family. Because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. Boy, she's getting the whole household here. Just think. Here's Rahab trying to get him into her house for salvation. Here was Lot trying to get him out of the house for salvation. And she negotiates, not just for herself, but for her whole family. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now she had said to them, go to the hill so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourself there three days until they return and then go on your way. The men said to her, this oath you've made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land you had tied the scarlet cord to the windows. I want you to look what God does to strengthen us. And, and it's always there if you really look at it. Whenever you're asking God to do something, God's going to come back to you and ask you this. Are you willing to follow my directions? But oftentimes we think of this about God. We asked him, he'd do it without us. And when we're asking, God says, hey, you have to participate in this. You have to be part of this now. And the question is, are you ready to follow me and take my instructions? And oftentimes our prayers aren't answered because we're not willing to take the instructions of God or follow Him. But if you're ready to take the instructions, and oftentimes His instructions are going to be for you and for I, a step of faith. Because it brings the relationship closer. It brings the trusting more dear to us. And it allows God to be seen very clearly for us. That he's doing this and not us or anyone else. So, first instruction was, okay, if this is going to be binding and this is going to be the guarantee, this is what you have to do. Number one, tie the scarlet cord in the window the men were, were, were let down from. You tie that cord in that window. Don't tie the cord on your doorknob. Don't tie the cord up in your living room somewhere. 
Don't put the cord just someplace where you want to put it. No, it has to be in the window where you lowered us down from. Instructions. So Rahab, one of the things that she's learning very quickly about this God of Israel, you've got to be willing to follow instructions. That's number one. Number two is simply this. Boy, she has to bring all her family into her house. Lord, how am I going to do that? You don't know my family. They will argue at a pin drop. They'll want to know this and they'll want to know that. And, and, and I can't tell them because I know somebody's going to go out there. And yet, i got to get them all into this house. Noah had to get all his family where? <laughs> into the ark. Lot had to get all his family out of Sodom. You know. The whole thing is this here. The task that God gave her in participating in this, since she wants to see her family saved, is to gather them into the house. Now, let me share something with you. If you want to see your family saved, you have to gather them into the house of Jesus. For there's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must be saved. And sometimes we don't like to even think on that or dwell on that because that's a hurting thing for us. To think that my child will go to hell or this person will go to hell or mom and dad will go to hell. Uncle will go to hell. This relative will go to hell. Look at all the people that she named. But the reality is either it's true or it's not. Either God is really God or he's not. Either what we read is either truth or it's a lie and it's a myth. It can't be both. It can't be both. Either God is alive and functioning and working and has declared his truth to us or this is all a made up lie. And like Paul said, we are a people most miserable for believing such a thing. But if you really know God, you've seen God work in your life. And you know what God is able to do. And he says, you've got to bring them in. Now guess what? She's the one who sees God differently. All the rest of them are getting ready for the battle. All the rest of them are getting ready to die because they don't know what's going to happen. Why? They've been consumed with fear. Now she's gathering up her family and tell you be at my house at 3 o'clock. Don't be late. Because by 3.30 the door is going to be locked and there's going to be one of us out there at 3.45 knocking on the door. No. Get them in your house was the condition. Thirdly, you're going to gather these folks into your house, but you can't tell them what Israel is doing. You really can't tell them why. Because, see, if you break that secret and you tell, then the guarantee is broke. The guarantee is broke. If you finish reading that on down, from 14 on down, you'll see that down to 19. That she has to be quiet about it. In closing, let me ask you this. Now, I want you to take a real good picture view of this if you can. 
In 15 it says, So she let them down by a rope through the window. For the house she lived in was part of the city wall. I was discussing this with Elaine also. Because, boy, it just really surprised me. We teach the kids, they marched around Jericho, what? And after seven times and then the horn blew, the walls did what? Her house is part of the wall. And God says, bring your family into the house and that's where they'll be saved. She learned this. God can destroy everything around you and keep you. God can destroy everything around you and keep you. He said, gather them all in the house, but yet her house is part of the walls and the walls came. And yet there's her house. Standing. Because of the word of God. Gather them in your house. Be there. Don't be anywhere else. Be there. In the house. Rahab learned from them. Go over to 6. That's in the, go over to chapter 6. Verse 25. Here's this prostitute. Here's this woman who is all mixed up. All everything. But look at us here for a moment. Look what God does. In verse 25. But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged. Isn't that something? All because she took a step of faith and she believed. And she believed in this one true God. Only her and her family were saved out of all those of Jericho. Noah and just his family were saved because they were the only ones who believed. Only because Lot believed. And even the angels had to help get his family out. And then his wife turned around and what happened? But everybody else was saved because they followed the instructions. And it said her whole family was saved. When you follow the instructions of God, remember the jailer? He was saved and then his whole household. When you walk closely to God and you are the one saved in your family, understand this, you have the possibility to see all the others in your family saved if you will follow the instructions of God and live closely to Him. Don't worry about what they're thinking about you right now. Don't worry about they think you're too holy, you're too this, you're too sacred. You follow the word too closely. You're always talking about Jesus. You're always talking about his miracle. Just stay at it. And you'll see your whole family come. And it says, boy, but Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lived among who? She lived. Here's this Gentile now coming in and living among the Israelites, her and her family. 
And she winds up marrying Salmon, who is one of the princes of Judah. She didn't marry low, she married high. God just opened that door. And she becomes the mother of Boaz, who becomes the mother, the father of Obed who becomes the father of Jesse, who becomes the father of David. You don't know where your heritage come from and what's going to become. She starts off as a prostitute and winds up living with the prince of Judah in Israel. It's never about our present position. It's about where we're going to wind up at. Understand this. We all have a starting point. But what matters is where we finish. We all have a starting point. But what matters is where we finish. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your word. And may your word, O God, excite us as we get a glimpse of the God who we serve as we get an understanding of how you work and you function. Lord, we just want to praise you and worship you. And we want to bow down to you and say, thank you, Jesus, for you have saved us over and over and over from incidents in our lives that should have taken us out of here. But you've kept us for a purpose. And Lord, we want to live out your purpose. Whatever that might be for our lives, we want to live in a way that will glorify you. And we're so thankful, Lord, that we can step out from the crowd. We can step out from the community. We can step out of our blackness. We can step out of our Caucasianness. We can step out of whatever we are in an ethnic group and say, I'm a born-again Christian. I'm a child of God. And live for you. And live for you. Lord, may you continue to minister to us. May something that has been said this morning strengthen us. Because, Lord, as you strengthen Rahab to believe and to follow the instructions, we as a people today need to be strengthened to be able to follow your instruction, to be able to believe you to be able to step out of the norm, to leave the crowd behind and be the example for our family. Lord, minister to us and we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, we want to give you the